Hey, what's up, tribe? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the TFC Audio Project Down Under. This week, Mac and I discuss the concept of shifting culture. Throughout the episode, we talk about the current culture surrounding feet, movement, and play in our society, and why it can be so problematic for people's health, the power of business and money to influence culture, and the importance of community for making real change. This week's episode is brought to you by our brand new Down Under Tables, our new favorite piece of functional furniture. Now, it's something we talk about a fair bit on this podcast, the importance of ground living. A lot of us listening already know that our modern environment and culture is perfectly set up to disconnect us from the ground. Whether we're driving, working, eating, even relaxing, we have chairs for pretty much every occasion. And that keeps us in one single unnatural position for hours on end. While it may be comfortable which is something we'll talk a fair bit about in this podcast ahead, it does wreak havoc on our bodies, making them stiff, weak, painful, and diseased. The practice of ground living can play a huge part in preventing and reversing these issues through the promotion of movement variability. And we reckon the TFC Down Under Tables are the perfect tool to help get you on the ground more and enjoy it. We use them for pretty much everything, whether we're eating, working, or even playing a game of chess. They're flat pack, easy to assemble, you can use them as a table, a stool, or a standing desk, and of course, every order plants a tree through our partnership with Reforest Now. You can check them out on our shop, tfc-shopaus.com. We hope you love them as much as we... Alright, so... You're back with James and Mac after. Finally, a, I'm back. He's Where back. Where did I go? <laughs> after a, a long, well, yeah, fairly long hiatus. That was a hiatus, yeah. Of uh, us doing the potties together, and here we are again. It's our, it's the twentieth episode of the podcast, plus a few extras of of Meet the Tribes and things like that. But um, yeah, it's been a really twenty eps. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's flown by. It really has. But uh, it's been a, it's a really epic range of conversations with lots of different people and um, having the yeah having the opportunity to chat with some of the foot nerds in the tribe and some of the facility hosts that we've been connecting with has been has been really cool um, it sort of really lived up to what we'd hoped it would I think in terms of I mean the reason we started it initially was to have a platform to to share all the concepts that we wanted to get across and to go a bit deeper and, and give our, our tribe a bit of a sense of exactly what it was all about and I think if you listen to all the 20 episodes, if you have been listening, thank you. But yes. I mean, yeah, if, if you did, I think people by this stage would have a pretty good sense of what, what we're about. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and the, and the people in our community and yeah, we, in fact, we have had people talk to us and say, yeah, I've been listening to all the episodes and, and have been really resonating. So yeah, really do appreciate you if you've been listening along or if you're new here, then make sure you go check out some of the original episodes. Um, but yeah, it's been a really cool journey so far with the podcast and also just with all the, the different projects that we've got on the go. Um, so we did want to sort of wrap up this season, sort of quote unquote season of the podcast. Um, they, they, what? They do seasons. They do yeah. seasons. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take well, a little is that break on... in between and, <laughs> yeah. and and get a few in the bag, so we're ready to roll. But yeah, twenty seemed like a nice number. Nice and round. <laughs> it does. And on on our podcast platform or host or something like that, they have seasons of the podcast, yeah. don't they? Yeah. So season two so coming season, soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You won't have to wait too long. Um, but 
yeah, so we just wanted to wrap it up basically with a, an episode with us two again and talking about the concept of sort of cultural shifts um, because at the core of it, that's really what we're trying to do with TFC is is solve the, the cultural problem around health. And, and obviously there's a foot health culture problem, um, but that's really... I think a manifestation of the the greater health problem in general, um, because I mean we'll, we'll dive into it. But at when at the end of the day, it's weird these days to be healthy. You have to be weird to be healthy, and it's very normal to be sick, and or at least normal to be unhealthy. I think there's sort of sick and unhealthy, and you know people think of sick as like on your deathbed. Yeah, yeah. like coughing and and um yeah really struggling to move or you know or whatever but just even just low light low level just you know low energy low um motivation and you know just these little things that yeah that occur, i think people of, probably people aren't think that's in- the new normal yeah absolutely i know i was i was like that and probably still am you know there the, there are there are times when yeah, you've really got to be hyper aware of how your body should be behaving to to read the signs and and realize, yeah, am I healthy, you know, or am I unhealthy? And yeah, I think it's it's something that a lot of people just live with day to day. Yeah, and yeah, and it does become. I mean, the new normal is a bit of a catch. <laughs> it's a catch cry now. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's become the new normal to like people don't realize how good their body should or can feel Mm. um and so it's just very they they can easily just go through their life wondering where these symptoms come on or you know yeah like i said maybe it's not anything severe but it's just you know you get sick really often um you know like little colds or flus or Or you don't sleep yeah yeah um yeah exactly and it's just flying under the radar a little bit and you don't realize that there's stuff that you can do and and yeah at the core of it it's a it's a cultural problem so might be good just to define culture Mm. um to sort of set the scene a bit so the dictionary definition is the ideas customs and social behavior of a particular people or society um and you know often what you'd think about is with culture is music and art and food and fashion uh, language, um, you know, the way people celebrate, they have weddings or funerals, or you know, the way things are done in a certain yeah how those group of people interact. really yeah 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 um, and live together yeah the social norms and their their attitudes and values and beliefs and obviously in any particular country or culture there's always going to be variation and different families will do things different ways and so on but just the overarching um and well especially now obviously with multiculturalism and globalism and and everything then there's Mm. a lot of that so you can't really cultural isn't very it's not very geographical anymore it's more yeah just it's very fluid these days and you you probably can relate to, to many different cultures or, or find yourself, yeah, sort of cross-culture blending, I suppose, um, just by way, yeah, by the nature of the internet and, mm. and globalism, like you said. Yeah, but for the purposes of today, then we'll 
obviously be talking mostly about sort of modern westernized culture because that's what our biggest experience is with and um, obviously most of the people listening is with as well Um, and we thought we'd just start talking about the current culture around feet movement um, and play in in modern western culture because that's obviously our biggest areas of interest Mm. and feet in our culture are really seen as fragile and weak as in they need support and cushioning and, you know, they need to have all this technology added to them. Otherwise, they'll break down and, and be flat and, and painful and so on. God forbid they can function by themselves. Oh, naturally. yes. No. Yeah. Not, couldn't, couldn't, possibly. <laughs> Not possible. Um, and also, interestingly, they're sort of seen as weird and dirty and, you know, possibly a little bit kinky if you, <laughs> if <laughs> you go that way. And, yeah. like, there's plenty of... Uh, there's <laughs> weird... <laughs> Weirdly, there's plenty of uh, times that our videos or photos have been commented on on Instagram by saying, send me feet pics, DM me ASAP, and so on. So there's definitely, you know, there's definitely that um, It is interesting, view that of, fetish and, and how that's... Uh, that hasn't helped its image, really, has it? Has no. It hasn't helped its image. Like, Poor uh, feet. And, it, and literally, when you say you work for a company like the Foot Collective, yeah, or you, you work with the Foot Collective, eyebrows. people go, oh, what, do you have a foot fetish or something? And it's like, well... I, I don't, so. but I mean, <laughs> not I, like that. I love feet, yeah, but not like that. Um, but it is—it's that immediate thing that people think of. Attached to it, yeah. yeah it's kind—they're of, kind of stigmatized, mm. um, which is a shame because they're really handy, handy things. They're yeah. really uh, very important parts of our body. They hold us around, and it's interesting. Like the hands get get off scot free, really. Yeah, absolutely. Your hands don't cop anything. No, There's no hand fetishes. Everyone likes hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I guess it, that's. I guess they're fetishized maybe because they're it's tucked away and hidden and usually you know unseen. They're kind yeah. of they're almost a private part. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> but they, yeah, they're sort of people think they should just be yeah hidden. Um, and supported and... As long as Insta doesn't start blurring our photos or <laughs> censor, oh. censoring posts. No, actually, I don't know if I've ever mentioned on here before, but I did, when I was first starting <clears throat> TFC Oz, I'd put a few YouTube videos up on um, on like foot exercises. So it was just literally videos of my feet um, <laughs> doing movements. <laughs> and then they sent me an email saying... It had been censored basically for uh, pe- any users yeah. under age of 15 or something like that. And it was like, it was because it was to do with feet. And it was like, I was like, well, it's just foot exercises. But they'd oh. like censored it. I reckon I've still got the email there. I mean, that's but- probably something we'll get into later as well. But censorship comes, you know, <laughs> plays a big part in, in the culture that we live in today. Yeah, true. Huge, huge part. But it's, sorry. It's a I rabbit hole. But no, yeah. So anyway, it's it's always interesting to think about where that culture comes from like mm. obviously f- humans have had feet for <laughs> for their entire <laughs> biological history um and why why does our culture view them like that and and where is this story this narrative that they need support and they need cushioning and so on where does that come from and really it comes from the footwear industry um, and the podiatry industry in, in, in large part because 
and marketers uh, uh, yeah who marketed those those products back in the early days exactly and started yeah. shaping the narrative and there's a you know there's it's quite an interesting thing the the history of footwear and obviously it started as literally just a protective layer around the feet um to protect yourself from cold things or really hot things or sharp or poisonous things and so on and that makes a lot of sense because they are a really important body part and you want to protect them but to to then that's been transformed I think by the fashion industry and the whole fact that shoes became viewed as a status symbol and, you know, depending on how much money you had would depend on whether you could afford shoes and, um, and the look of shoes, you know, and people wanted feet to look narrow. And so they had shoes that were narrow and there's a whole, there's a whole, just a whole big history to it. And actually Nick has done a, a whole podcast on that, um, the history of footwear, one of the earlier podcasts on the TFC audio project. So that's worth a listen, but long story short, they became a lot more about fashion and status than about function. And that created a whole heap of foot issues, which then created the industry of podiatry essentially because people were having these foot issues and then the podiatrist was like, Hey, what can we change about the shoe and what can we put in, add to the shoe or what can we, you know, do with these shoes that can make it better. But not actually questioning the shoe, like not actually questioning the fact that should we even be wearing these shoes or like, mm. how are these shoes really designed or why and would who we are they designed yeah. for? I'm, that <clears throat> documentary we were watching yeah. the other night. Yeah, you know, true. From the, um, the designer from Nike who, who talks about, you know the the way that the the early sneakers and the early Air Maxes were designed for athletes and mm. to give athletes performance and, and yet they've now you know that that same design that they they patented and and have used across all of their shoes with the cushioned heel isn't just being sold to athletes anymore or basketball mm. players or well it was yeah this guy was specifically the yeah the designer for all these basketball like the Air Jordans with mm. um with Nike and and yeah quite possibly there's a role for specific technology in a basketball shoe um if you're doing that level of like that volume of jumping and sprinting up and down a hard court and so on, which is just an unnatural amount of load on the body. Um, And obviously, consequently, there's a lot of injuries and a lot of foot problems in basketballers. But, you know, if they potentially they get a performance boost and that's what they're after, essentially. Whereas it's not about the health of your feet and it's not... And that those shoes, even if maybe they are better for basketball, I'm not going to say they necessarily are, but... If they are, that doesn't mean that those shoes are things that you should be wearing all day, every day, but that's how the culture arrived because exactly. that the became average... fashionable. Oh, Michael Jordan's wearing them. Oh, yeah, I'll wear them. It wasn't oh, for looks... a performance boost. It was for an ego boost yeah. that people were buying these shoes. And so... Yeah. And so that's just one example, but you can see how that's played out in all fields, always in all fields and so on. And so um, it's, yeah, it's important to understand how these things have come about and just because things are done a certain way these days with all of this extra technology and shoes um, and, you know, you you walk around, you see everyone wearing some kind of cushioned, heeled running shoe, really, and that's what people believe are good for your feet. And so 
I, I think it's probably more better understood like, oh yeah, dress shoes and high heels aren't really good for my feet. So I should just wear runners. Like I should just wear jeans and joggers, you know? <laughs> yeah. And people think that's that, oh yeah, I'm on my feet all day. I really should get some good shoes. And they think that these cushioned heeled runners are what's good are shoes because they're supportive for my feet. So it's, there's two, you know, there's two elements of the culture that we sort of are fighting against there. It's the, it's the fashion culture of like you you know you need to wear pointy rigid um you know black leather shoes or high heels or whatever but then there's the fact that even if people get out of that if they go on my feet hurt i don't want to wear those shoes anymore then they go into supportive cushioned heeled shoes because they're looking for comfort yeah and they're looking for comfort exactly and that comfort comes from years decades of wearing that type of shoe and so the mm. body has adapted to to the way that feels you know and and it's so used to having a raised heel that if people do step into a barefoot shoe or go barefoot um you know prime example is is sports people who you know train in in joggers uh and then jump onto a soccer field for example without any heel and it's flat and they wonder why they pull their calves because mm, mm. they're not getting that that range of motion. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a it's a good point that there's a whole culture of comfort in in our society is everyone's really oh, but my shoes are so comfortable. Mm. Um because there's so much cushioning. Oh, this couch or this chair is so comfortable. Oh, so good. Now I get to just relax and it's like yeah, comfort this bed <laughs> this bed is so comfy and squishy oh i just sink into it it's like or, a cloud yeah or you know this yeah perfectly ergonomically designed chair or whatever is so comfy and comfort is really and we have talked about this before on the podcast but it's seen as this ultimate thing to to aim the goal for like oh i just want to be comfortable and really what actually makes humans happy is growth Comfort is a short-term, oh, that feels nice. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, sure. Have some comfort here and there. Have a warm bath. Have a lay on the couch. But you really need to balance that out with a good amount of discomfort, which is for the purpose of growth and progress, which is really what your brain thrives on. Because if you aren't progressing, you're regressing. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah, it might be less comfortable to sit on the ground or to wear barefoot shoes or to go barefoot but then you find meaning and purpose and and progress in that and then that actually becomes the new comfort now you know now i'm uncomfortable wearing comfortable shoes you know like it feels weird to wear cushioned shoes and to sit in a in a couch for too long because it's like i kind of want to be moving and i actually want my feet to be contacting the ground and feeling the ground. So it's all about what your, what your body gets used to. But yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting how caught up in comfort everyone is. And comfort really is the silent killer mm. um, in our society. Really is. Yeah. And I mean, the same as with what we'll go through with movement and play though, it is, it's quite stunning how deeply rooted this culture is. Um, mm. And just in general, how deeply rooted a culture can become in 50, 60 years, 70 years of, of you know, footwear as we know it today, really. Mm, um, mm. Just how deep that narrative can get. Um, and I guess gives just 
gives us a little bit of hope that, you know, if it can get that deep that quickly, then maybe it can unravel just as quickly. But, mm. Um, mm. yeah, well... It's, yeah, here's hoping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got a lot of work to do, but but it's definitely possible, and it is starting to happen as well. Yeah. And obviously, we're throughout all of this, we're talking in generalities. We're very aware that the people listening to this, like all, these, <laughs> yeah. the, all of you out there, are more so exceptions to the rule. But in general, this is what the culture is in our Western yeah. society. So, yeah, around movement in our culture, it is really limited mostly to exercise and sports. Um, so going to the gym, going for a run, going for a swim, going for a bike ride, even going for a walk or a hike, it's very exercise focused. It's okay, working these muscles, burning these calories, losing this weight, um, you know, this whole weight loss culture and this fitness, yeah, sort of look going for a certain look really or going for a certain, you know, quantifiable performance goal where, you know, in sport or running. Even if you're running, like yeah, it's like, okay, what are my times? What are, you know, I'm get, I'm working towards this marathon. It's work, work, work. And it's, um, you know, quantify, you know, and, and all of this. And obviously there's, we've always said that there's a, a good role for that. But it's really limited to that. That's what people see as movement is exercise and sport. And if they're not exercising and doing sport, then cool, I'll just sit. Um, and yeah, that thought of, oh, I'm active because I do exercise. Even if you exercise every day or you play sport a couple of times a week or whatever, um, that broader look on movement is really lost. Like, for instance, sitting on the ground, which is probably the most important movement mm. nutrients that you can get. Some of the most important movement nutrients is um, being on the ground in various positions, but it's just not really seen as a priority or, and people really just, they just want to do their exercise and then go home and lay on the couch. And so it's movement isn't seen from that broader perspective and it's, and it's generally less about <clears throat> skill learning and more about, fitness and you know like going for going for that look that fitness look of chiseled abs and and you know and not not even necessarily a lot some people don't even do it just for the look i mean you know there are people who just do it to say that they're doing it yeah (laughs) to fit into the culture to to be a part of that you know Mm. that fitness culture of i went to the gym this morning yeah i went for my run this afternoon and and it takes discipline and it's like Oh yeah, you know, like it's I had to go I had to go to the gym today or like oh I ate a lot yesterday. It's like it's this weird relationship with movement where it's a chore and it's uh, or, or like people celebrate it like yeah, I'm so disciplined. I got up at 4:30 and went to the gym and you know, it's like yeah, good on you, but like find the joy in it. Don't just do it. It's yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before as well in, with work and play, but, you know, there's a role for that work and discipline and so on. But the movement, it just, it goes so much bigger than just lifting or, you know, doing exercise for a certain look or a certain feel. Yeah. Um, even though, that, yeah, there's a role for that. And also, interestingly, musculoskeletal problems, as in issues with our movement system, really tend to be addressed with passive tools so things that aren't movement (laughs) Mm. um where whether it's you know obviously medications and massage and um mobilizations and surgery and orthotics it's like all these 
passive things that we do to our body to try and solve to movement issue, yeah. issues. And it's like, or even when you apply exercise to a movement issue, like obviously there are a lot of practitioners and people that would say, okay, you know, you've got this issue, let's do this exercise. Um, even that, it's, it's supplementary. And mm. if you haven't already listened to the Movement Nutrition Podcast, that will help put a lot of this into context. But if you just do isolated exercises for a certain isolated problem, you're missing that broader picture of how the body integrates as, as a whole. And you're solve, you might be, you're not really solving the problem. You're still applying a sort of band-aid to the issue um, and things will manifest in a different way um, somewhere else unless the broader movement nutrition issue is solved. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then play. So play, the culture around play is really that it's for children. Primarily, we, we sort of all know that children should play, but even then we sort of, we reckon it should be limited these days, you know, no climbing trees, no um, wrestling, no throwing things, you know, anything that's risky, mm. can't do it. Um, so even children's play is, is limited these days. And even children's ability to to learn to play, I mean, uh, you know, I've had a couple of interactions with people recently who who work in sort of early childcare space and and have said it, it's quite shocking how many kids if you leave them to their own devices in a space where when we were growing up or our parents were growing up kids would jump on logs or climb mm. trees or you know play with sticks or bark or just left in a natural setting but she was saying that yeah that, that they had four and five-year-olds who they would leave to this open nature space and the kids wouldn't know what, to, what do. to do they had to be shown how to play mm. uh, and and that in itself goes to well yes we're talking about possibly an older older form of culture in relation to play whereas <clears throat> play today for kids isn't what we <clears throat> grew up with it as either yeah true you yeah know? and it's it is around it's that's interesting. Everyone is so risk averse and especially when it comes to their kids, it's like, Oh, we can't let them hurt themselves. <laughs> um, whereas letting them explore and take risks and hurt themselves when they're small and, you know, less likely to do real damage, um, actually helps them. Tell they learn. Yeah. Learn how to manage risk as they become an adult and uh, as they grow up and, and become an adult and become much more likely to properly hurt themselves if they mess something up or, you know. So risk management is a really important skill as a human and and obviously being able to play with movement and explore your environment is also a really important skill and it come, it goes hand in hand, Being able, doing both of those things. You can't really have one without the other. Yeah, of course. And... Yeah, so it is interesting that that's a very interesting point that kids these days, you can see it more and more because their play is, on is now on screens yeah, uh, for the most part and they're just, their bodies don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. So what, help, what hope have their parents got of, uh, of playing? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, or, or learning from parents who aren't playing. Exactly. And I guess that's, you know. And that's the cultural that, issue. That's it's the become issue. a lot more about 
screens and technology and and outsourcing all of this movement so much that it just completely it completely ruins our body's ability to to do its thing mm. <laughs> which it would do naturally um but yeah is doing less and less these days but we also obviously for adults i mean we understand that yes adults can play but it's got to be only sports it's like oh yeah you can play soccer or you can play um AFL or rugby or whatever um but you know if you're just out there just playing unstructured with movement it's like oh that's a bit weird <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah or the other thing that adults are allowed to do in our culture is play board games or card games or drinking games <laughs> <laughs> sedentary games <laughs> yeah things where yeah it doesn't doesn't take too much movement um and again, it, that sort of, I guess, comes back down to comfort because that's what people are used to is sitting down, the, the culture of sitting mm. um, at school, at work and so on. And so, oh yeah, well, if we're going to play, then let's play cards or let's play something where we're just comfortable and sitting um, in a chair so that we don't have to you know, spend too much, use too much energy or anything. Um, but at the same time, we also glorify people who play things really well, like the professional sports players and so on we go wow it's amazing like yeah uh, but we do that by while sitting watching in a couch <laughs> you know that's it. i mean i think all three of these <clears throat> things the movement play and the feet they don't really have their own individual cultures but really it's it's, yeah. it's a general societal culture that impacts all all of these these different aspects. Yeah, it's a it's a manifestation of that whole yeah. broader picture. Yeah. Yeah, which is I guess comes back down to comfort. <laughs> really does. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's um yeah, pretty much it all comes back down to comfort, comfort. and avoiding uh, and you know, avoiding discomfort at all costs. And you know, taking the easy road. Yeah, and with feeling that pain is a result of just an, a problem with your body rather than a problem with the things that you're doing with your body or the environment that you're putting your body in. It's like, oh, I've just got this issue and I've got to just, you know, do something. I've got to now have a surgery or I've got to now have this or that. Um, so it's really technology, to, I suppose, is, is yeah, the driver. Yeah, the culture of comfort and technology. Mm. Oh, geez, we're just solving it all now. <laughs> now how do we fix it? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It is. It's a. It's a massively disempowering, and quite de- depressing culture that of this this concept that you know you shouldn't move much and it just it just predisposes people to a lot of injuries, a lot of chronic pain, um, mental health issues, and that's reflected by the statistics that all these things are are skyrocketing. Um, kids are getting injured in sports younger and younger. People are getting more and more depressed, more anxious. Um, you know, more sedentary. Um, yeah. I think it's depressing for pe- for people who are aware of that culture. And again, the people who are listening to this podcast are definitely more aware than most people. Um, but the people who are living that lifestyle may be depressed, but may not realise that their depression is r- rooted in issues with with all of these things that we've yeah. just highlighted and yeah, it's yeah. depressing for us to watch and, and but experience it's, that culture mm. knowing what the issues are but then on the on the flip side i think 
th- there are a lot of people who don't even realize that that's the reason they're feeling yeah. the way they're feeling. Yeah, and that's where the disempowerment comes in because they've been told a certain story about, oh, you've got this because, um, well, let's, you know, let's talk about it with pain you've got this because, you know, there's an issue with your brain or something like that. Or even with mental health things, so it's, a, it's specifically an issue with your brain. And yes, that, that may be a factor, um, but there's all, all of these other lifestyle factors that play such a huge role that usually aren't part of that narrative. And certainly, we, we know that those are signals from your body or brain that something needs to change. And if we cover up those signals with medications or, or whatever, or surgery or um, whatever it is that you're covering it up with, then you don't get the opportunity to learn the lessons from that signal and from, from that pain. And that's a real shame. <laughs> and it, and it keep, keeps people in this negative cycle. And, and, you know, everyone has... Everyone does, every individual does have the power to change their own beliefs and their own habits, but they are, realistically, they are a product of all of the stories and narratives that they've been told within their culture. And until they're told a different story, then they're sort of stuck in that that story. Well, until they believe a different story. They could be told a different story, but until they really believe a different story, then they're stuck in this this different reality that they can't do anything about the problem. And I think, I think there's, you know, there's a cause to say that there are plenty of people out there who believe this narrative too, but don't have the, the commitment or the, yeah, I guess the drive to, to change that narrative because while, while you may believe it, it can be really hard to, to change habits and, and to, to break yeah. free from, yeah, from that culture. Yeah, exactly. It's it's some sometimes it's about you know commitment and drive, but it, probably more so about the environment that that person's in. Yeah, because very true. you know maybe maybe you've you've listened to a podcast of ours or someone's, and you've gone, oh, that really resonates with me. That makes sense. And then you start talking to some of your family and friends about, it and they're like, oh, no, I don't think you're right about that. I think you know, I think your feet really do need support. Um, you know, you should talk to my podiatrist. You know, whatever. You, if you're surrounded by people with different beliefs and it's, it can be really hard to break free. Um, or if, you know, like we were talking about just before, um, before the podcast, how, when we go for a barefoot walk along the river, we, we cop a lot of weird looks <laughs> all the time, all the time. And especially this morning, cause apparently it was the coldest day, uh, coldest morning, um, since, August 2018, um, but which by Brisbane terms isn't that still wasn't that cold, like yeah. five or six degrees. It was six degrees Celsius, but um, it was nippy on the toes. It was nippy, and but it still felt good for us. And yeah, we cop we we cop a, a lot of weird looks, and sometimes we get people stopping us, asking questions, and so on. And and for us, we really like that because you know we jump at an opportunity to talk to someone about the benefits of barefooting and. Um, we like the idea of people walking or riding past going, oh, barefoot. And then, you know, maybe it puts something in their mind. But we realize a lot of people probably wouldn't like the attention that that would give. But it is strange that being barefoot is strange. <laughs> you know, yeah. that we should be seeing a lot of people walking around barefoot um, or at least in barefoot shoes. But you really just don't see 
many people at all yeah <laughs> walking around in barefoot shoes we get a crazy thrill when we see someone yeah. well we saw some guy running shirtless with with bare feet along the river the other day and we were like oh this guy <laughs> our hero if you're out of it but that was like out. one time out of i don't know how many hundreds of walks we've done along yeah. that river but yeah it's 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 crazy to yeah to really open your eyes and, and look and, and go wow yeah, and to have to be the weird one. Like, you, you've yeah. got to accept this this role of being the weirdo, the person who goes Mon- barefoot, the, the person who goes down to the park and plays with a hacky sack or balances on a beam or, yeah, jumps up on a handrail and starts balancing or mm. um, plays on the playground when you're an adult. Or <laughs> yeah. You know, you've got to be, you've got to be really weird. Um, and it is it's, it can be difficult to embrace that weird sometimes, but it's a lot easier to embrace that weird when there's a, a culture or a community when you're surrounded by weirdos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of people who go, yeah, that's fun, let's do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I do enjoy my I do enjoy getting weird looks from people a lot more when I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's two people barefoot, they are like it's pro- they're probably yeah. looking at Mac. <laughs> actually, I think I saw actually I think I saw a meme and it was like one person going barefoot, they're just a weird hippie. Two or more people going barefoot, then people start to wonder, oh, what are they training for? What's it, you know, what, <laughs> yeah. what's going on? Um, so yeah, it, the power of numbers is is pretty cool, and having having people around you um, who are interested in that as as well, and that's really the power of social media and the internet is to help mm. connect us with other people who are like minded in that way, or at least who are open to this and and want to connect. And I guess that is what makes you know, shifting a culture like this so hard because I guess people, when they're around that tribe, around those weirdos, sadly, a lot of it, you know, sadly, a lot of it at the moment has had to be online. Um, But then when you're, yeah, interacting with work colleagues or if you're a kid who Mm. is wearing barefoot shoes to school, you are the the odd one out. Um, And... Yeah, I, I guess that that is the that's the hard part is is trying to surround yourself with an environment that allows you to to believe that narrative and mm. to to live that narrative. Yeah, because um, kids are so influenced by what their peers are going to think, and so are adults. Really, we're all just big kids, and we're all kind of kind of worried about what our peers will think. Um, but once you realize, once if I think if you switch, it is a bit harder with kids, but if you switch that mindset of like, oh, I wonder what my peers will think like, oh, I wonder what my peers will think. Uh, you know, you, you, you see it as an opportunity to Educate. maybe change someone yeah. else's mind, even if it's just one other person's mind about this thing, then it's like, oh, cool. Now, th- then you realize you've got the power to create a, quite a ripple effect in the world based on your choices um, and rather than just going along with the norm because that's the norm, sticking to what you believe and going, yeah, actually, no, I believe that my f- my feet are better off if I actually let them move <laughs> yeah. and strengthen and, and be f- just be act, just function like feet. Um, and I know, like, I know we'd plan to talk about this later, but I, like, it's a, a pretty important point to sort of say that, you know, that, that is what, we need help with as well. Mm. You know, um, that's 
we can only reach so many people on our morning walks that we're walking <laughs> yeah. past. Um, and everyone that's listening to this pro- you know, podcast, I'm sure has gone barefoot at, at least once. At least had a crack. <laughs> and, yeah, they've given it a go. Um, or wears barefoot shoes or minimalist yeah. shoes. And yeah, it's about wearing those or not wearing them with pride. And mm-hmm. when a conversation is asked, being educated and having the knowledge to back up your decision. All the, all the resources, which is why yeah. a big part of why we wanted to create the podcast and the we- and put more stuff on the website and so on so that you can go, oh yeah, I did this because of this and you know here's a, a podcast to listen to if you're interested. And it's not about ramming it down people's throat, no. but it's about being prepared as to like, yeah, fe- feeling confident enough in your belief and why you believe that and then being able to refer people on to, to resources that they can look into in their own time if they like, because yeah, it people need to be open and ready. Um, and sometimes it's not the right. You, usually, if someone stops us on the on the barefoot walk, then we I don't launch into my full education mode, but I just go, <laughs> oh yeah, it's better for the better for the feet because it allows them to move and strengthen. And, and um, we didn't have shoes. Yeah, we we haven't had shoes for most of our. Evolution. evolution and there they go oh oh yeah that's interesting and i think the, the the more conversations you have like that the more you realize not that it's hard to argue against but p- people who do question it probably have never considered mm. that that whole other side of the the argument the other side of the coin and so exactly it's if just you not can on their give radar. them some knowledge if you can give them some simple basic facts that can't be argued with then they really a lot of the time they're, they're pretty dumbfounded they're like oh yeah true they're like oh that, yeah that actually kind of makes sense oh, yeah yeah good on you and then, yeah so it's and it's not so scary um but yeah it's yeah it's important that the main thing is having enough confidence in your or conviction i guess in your belief that that's what's right for you um and then, yeah, just patiently being being okay to patiently explain to people why you're doing it for you, um, and then yeah, with the with the potential that that might actually help someone else change and and so on and so forth, and that's really how a, a grassroots kind of movement happens because it it's going to be hard to to change this culture from the top down. Really, I think like the the big companies, like the a big reason why all, all of this stuff exists, like we alluded to with the footwear but say, you know, with the podiatry industry and the medical industry and, um, and, and pharmaceutical industry, especially is these business models thrive on disempowering people and mm. making them think that they need this technology or they need this medication or mm. they need this, um, surgery and so on. And I, and like, I don't want to paint it all with a broad brush because obviously certain medications and certain surgeries and certain orthotics even, um, do have their role in certain contexts. But as a, as a general rule, these companies and these corporations make a lot of money off people thinking that they need their service for the rest of their life. Um, and I don't think that's because, you know, they're these evil corporations with people, um, you know, laughing all the way to the bank, um, making knowingly making money off people's suffering. Um, but I think it's it's well intent for the most part well intentioned people 
who have been brought up again in a certain culture and a certain paradigm and with certain business models that have been set up and that's just the way it's been done. Um, and they haven't realized that there might be another way to do it. And they, they do want to, most, most people in these industries obviously do want to help people um, and they are doing that to the best of their ability within their restraints of their business model. But if your business model is to sell orthotics or to provide medications, it's very easy to look at every problem as though it needs orthotics or medications. You know, it's, it's one of those cognitive biases that happens with humans where, you know, your, the financial incentive can sort of make you see things in a certain way um, and can make you resistant to new ideas. We were going to talk about it, but the, I mean, food is a prime example of, mm. you know, of a of an industry that has probably s- traveled a similar track to, to footwear really um it became about speed really uh, and and production and, and yeah fast food fast food mm. and, and not just at mcdonald's but in the supermarkets as well um i, I guess a different kind of comfort you know is, yeah. is what consumers were convenience convenience yeah and comfort and convenience Two C's. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I guess what we've seen in the last, I guess, 10, 15 years has been a real resurgence of humans realizing that they need to get back to their roots and, and start eating food that's good for the planet and good for them. Mm. Um, and, and I guess more seriously in the last five years that, that the organic movement and now the regenerative farming movement has really taken hold. Um, but again, that has been humans who have re- been re-empowered to take control of the decisions they're making about their food mm. uh, because the education has got out there, because people now know why that's that's good for them and, and why the other isn't. And what it's meant is the major supermarkets and fast food giants have had to change the way they do things, You know, whether it's offering... I guess organic alternatives at Woolworths mm. and and Coles. Um, yeah, which you see a lot of now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. Like it's 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 good to see it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's it's exactly. Yeah. It's not the silver bullet, and I think it's the same with footwear. You know, if if Nike and Adidas were to bring out a minimalist shoe that was as good as Vivo Barefoot, that was you know, sustainably made and um, not made using animal skin or, you know, not made using child labor or... Yeah, um, or not... Yeah, exactly. Not or maybe recycled. Fast, or, yeah. Fast, convenient consumption. Um, then then great. But the models just aren't set up to, to yeah. do that. Their business models just aren't set up to do that. Exactly. And they would also have to... In like I guess admit yeah. that they'd been doing it wrong for a long time. Yeah. Um. And I think they 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 a lot of those companies did start making some more minimalist footwear, but then they kind of backed off them and just doubled down on the extra tech because that's their model is let's apply technology to the foot rather than just let the feet be feet. And I, I think um I think it's interesting. You could sort of contrast it with the the cigarette industry or the, the tobacco industry and when e-cigarettes came out 
cigarette companies had to admit that already admitted that yeah that they were <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> pretty yeah. cut and dry yeah but what happened is cigarette companies started buying up all of the major vaping companies mm. and so you know you had the big tobacco providers who had now admitted that what they were doing was wrong and weren't going to stop selling the product that they'd been selling but just bought up the competition yeah um and i don't think it would happen with footwear i i would hope to think that companies like viva barefoot have yeah you know stronger stronger ethics and and, and a deeper mission that they would not be bought out by a smaller footwear company and i'm talking in generalizations for down the line but yeah that you're right I, i can't i can't see a shoe company admitting that what they've been doing is wrong and changing yeah. the way they do things it would it really has to come from the the grass like it needs to be consumer driven but if oh, i saw something the other day that was shared in terms of market market cap or something like that and it's like two percent is um barefoot style shoes so even though there's there's a it's a very cool growing industry it's still a tiny fraction tiny percentage of all the shoes yeah yeah that seems high yeah yeah given just how yeah it yeah it's crazy so there's there's a lot of change to do and we we're not going to change everyone and uh, you know definitely not in the near future um but the people who do change change not just their footwear but their whole beliefs around their body and them and movement and health um through maybe through starting at the feet it can be so huge for their quality of life and so it is it is still really worth it even though statistically it's a tiny fraction of people um it's still a lot of people and it's still a huge change for them um which is really cool that's been definitely one of the most rewarding parts of this journey so far um has been just seeing the feedback that you get from customers um, and, you know, we're not tooting our own horns or, you know, but, but the messages have been really eye-opening from people who have made small changes um, and have seen really, really positive results mm. with with their bodies and with their feet. And these are people who obviously had nowhere else to turn to, you mm. know, who had gone to traditional podiatrists and that didn't work or they didn't want to be left in an orthotic um, and tried simple tools and simple steps and saw results and, and progress. Mm, um, mm. So, yeah, while it is a it is a minuscule percentage of the majority, it's, it's still worth still it. Still very them. significant. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, yeah, and... Even though the powers that be, you know, the big industries, big footwear, big pharma, big food, they're still making a heap of money (laughs) um, and they're still getting really the vast majority of the population. Um, You know, business, it's, it does represent a huge opportunity for businesses or purpose-driven businesses who want to disrupt those industries or at least, you know, make a dent in those, um, you know, like us. And so we've created a business around um, empowering people with knowledge and skills rather than disempowering them with, you know, bad stories and, and, um, you know, passive tools. And so, um, 
you know, it's, it's not necessarily that business or corporation or money is the issue. Money is just sort of the fuel for, for whatever it is you're doing. And, and if that money is being used in the right model and with the right stories and, and within the right culture, then it, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it just adds, it adds, you know, the more money you have, the more voice you have really in when it comes down to it, you've mm. got you know a better ability to reach people, um, and a better ability to get your message across, and to, um, which yeah, which is why those big companies do it so well. They've they've been doing this for ages. They've got their systems, and they've got a lot of money, and they've got a lot of reach, mm. um, and so it does, yeah, create a really cool opportunity for businesses like ours um, and and communities like ours to make money while empowering people. Um, and it's not about, you know, making a seven figure salary, you know, trying to help people. It's just it's literally about having enough money to live and to, you know, I keep, guess live, live the lifestyle, live people, a healthy really. lifestyle, but it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's not about taking it home and hoarding it. It's about going, you know, reaching as many people as possible and then using that extra money with purpose to reach more people. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, that feeds itself. And so your marketing, you know, doesn't, isn't about, Oh, how do we just sell as many of these things as possible? Your marketing is how can I build awareness and education and change the beliefs of these people who have been disempowered, um, so that they really believe that they can now take control and yes, they can buy things from us if they want. Um, we obviously give, we always try to give, alternatives to our products just mm. in case you can't afford it or just you know don't don't want to prioritize that that that, that product at the time but it's about the education it's about the awareness of you are in control um and it's your responsibility it's not necessarily your fault because like we said you you are a product of your environment and your culture but it is your responsibility now to take control and start making changes um, even if it's tiny changes over time in fact that's that's really the best way to do it is small change small consistent changes over time and um, yeah it really adds up and so customers aren't just customers you know they're, they're the community it's it's what we're trying to build here is a tribe really mm. um, of people who are like-minded who all want to support each other um, and who then obviously we are super grateful for people who supporting us on supporting us to do that mission through buying things from us basically. Yeah. 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 And I think, um, I think the more that community grows, um, and the more customers who support us, the more we wish we could be connecting with those people in person because, we get a lot of messages for people who need guidance, need help, you know, um, but live all over the country. And there's only so many practitioners we know in, in so many mm. cities, um, so many experts in certain fields or movement coaches or just people that, you know, like to move and, and, and want someone to move with. Um, that, yeah, I guess that's, that's sort of... The, the next phase of this this whole mission is to divide and conquer um, as much as we can with that tribe. So, fi- tr- trying to develop 
pockets of the tribe in mm. as many places as we can. Um, to, yeah, to, to help share in the mission with us. Yeah, yeah, because there's, there's a lot of cool people doing a lot of cool stuff all around Australia and, and our touring has really helped us realize that even more is that people do really love to play um, and if you can provide a container where it's a safe space to play and, and to get to know people and to move in different ways, um, it's really, really powerful and, and... It comes back to that environment that we were talking yeah. about before is... We, we can't be in every city creating an environment every weekend for people to get barefoot and to play and to move. Um, we try and do it. We were trying to do it once a month up mm. until the lockdowns, lockdowns and travel and, 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 travel and yeah. all of that. But, you know, we were hosting move and play sessions here in Brisbane that brought a group of strangers, you know, 20 to 30 people together who were from our, our social media channels Um all together to play barefoot and balance on beams yeah. and kick hacky sacks and and a heap ropes. of that was just chatting as well and just yeah. just going oh yeah where what do you do yada 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 you connect with people and that's really what humans thrive on really it's movement connection play well play is really the the conduit between movement and connection in in a big way mm. um so yeah building that out uh, just scaling that up rather um so that other people can do that in their own community and you know we'd love if if you're out there and you're listening to this and that's something that you'd be either wanting to participate in or possibly wanting to facilitate in your local area then please reach out because we want to connect with people um, who are interested in doing those kinds of things and like we've talked about the the more the power in numbers the more of you there are the more likely it's going to happen on a regular basis and the less likely you're going to feel self-conscious or or you know less hesitant you'll feel i think because there's there's that yeah that community element is is so huge and we we have seen it with the ones that we've run even when we've we've run them in other cities i mean just going to melbourne you see the people in those cities make connections that you know if you do run a gym or if you are a physio there are people out there who don't know who to turn to or don't know where to train or, Mm. you know, Mm. don't have a practitioner that can help them out. And it can, it can really help you with, with your business, but help them, you know, find someone who's going to give them the help that they need. So it's, Mm -hmm. while it's also great for, you know, human connection in that regard, it, it, it can be really beneficial for your health physically, but also for, for whatever you know, line of work you're in, um, mm. to, to just building a network. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and a network of people that you know you want to be around. Yeah, yeah, a network of people that are of that mindset that they want to be active. They want to be. They like a play based approach. They like, yeah, active, empowering treatment. Um, and those are the exact type. Well, generally, if you listen to this podcast, those would be the types of people that you would want to work with um whether as a client or as a practitioner so it's yeah we just we really want to facilitate those connections because we think that's that's really powerful and and our you know we've obviously been putting in our work we're we're making a tiny dent in in the culture as well and um getting into the sporting culture with hacking the system and um you know we're we're now developing some more digital products like an ebook um to help people transition to minimalist footwear um 
and also an online, you know, putting our workshop online, just finding ways to increase the scale of what we're doing so that we can get this education and awareness out to more people. Um, and then obviously using that to help facilitate those in-person connections. Cause I think that's probably the most important things. Yeah. And we'll, yeah. we'll put a link to it in our show notes, but we've got a community group on Facebook mm. um, where we'll, we'll facilitate those events. Uh, so yeah, if you're keen to find out more or you want to help out, reach out to us on Instagram um, or through or join that Facebook community group and yeah, um, yeah, get in touch because we'd really like to get them rolling as soon as possible because they could be, yeah. I mean, just imagine a world where every weekend there was one of those events going on in every, you know, every second city around Australia. It, it seems so. it seems crazy, but. Why not? It's not too crazy. Nah, it's not too crazy with enough people, and you know, it all starts with it all starts with yourself. If you can change, you know, your own thoughts and beliefs, you know, change things around your home, change your own environment, um, share share what you're doing with people who are interested, or share, you know, our podcast or Nick's podcast or anything that you've found helpful along the way. Share that with people, um, you know, and and join in on community events. You just you just, it's hard to overstate how much of an amazing ripple effect that can have on the world when, when you're doing that. And, and, um, yeah, that's what we're trying to do, but we just, obviously we can only do so much by ourselves and, and yeah, the power of numbers. Mm, that's it. The that's power it. of culture. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can pretty much wrap it up. I reckon. Yeah. I think that's, that's sort of covered it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, reach out obviously also um in terms of spreading awareness it does help us if if you're enjoying the podcast or if you've got something out of it leaving us a review um we haven't really talked about that much but uh it does help with visibility on um the podcast channels so reviews are always really appreciated um and obviously feel free to reach out and let us know if there's anything that you want to hear discussed on the podcast um but otherwise we'll be back with season two (laughs) after a week's break um with some we've already got some podcasts lined up um and we'll catch you then see you guys cheers